We'll be in 2 Kings chapter 19 today. I was going to preach from um, on Sanctity of Life Sunday, but I just felt like this is where we need to be, so we're going to try to follow the Lord in those things. Um, again, you guys, hopefully today you've got some of the individual goal sheets. We handed them out last Sunday. We're handing them out again today. We'll hand them out again tonight. Uh, pray over the goals that you would like to tackle, and we'll collect them tonight and then hand them back to you after we've jotted down, and we're going to try to try to help remind you of our commitments and hopefully we can really encourage each other this year in that. So be in prayer about those things, uh, too. The message is really simple message today, a lot of story, a lot of scripture. So hang in there with me, if you will. But I think as you read the scripture, the story should come alive to you. The message is very simple. You alone are God. You alone are God. Second Kings chapter 19. Let's look at verse 16. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear... Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Verse 19, Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, Save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only, or even thou alone. All right. Today we have this really long story, and to kind of give you a little bit of, of context, and we're going to follow up with a, a king. His name was Hezekiah. Maybe people have tried to trick you before. Have anybody ever said to you, hey, turn to the book of Hezekiah chapter 7? People keep looking and looking. It sounds like it should be a Bible book, doesn't it, right? Yeah, but it's not. Um, Israel has a long line of terrible, wicked kings. We have David, who's awesome. have Solomon, who starts out great, and then he starts to go away, and then the next thing you know, the rails fall off, and it's just bad king after bad king. There's a few little bright lights here and there. Well, Hezekiah turns out to be one of the brightest lights. And so that's where we're going to catch up today. If you guys are familiar with the book of Isaiah... Isaiah would have been a contemporary of Hezekiah, and actually Isaiah and Hezekiah will have correspondence. And just to give you a little picture into world history here, not too deep, but a little bit. Um, again, Israel under Solomon, they were the kingdom. They were the United States of the day. I mean, they were the superpower. And then after things begin to fall off, there's other people begin to take power. Egypt still has a little power in the south, but in the north, Assyria begins to rule and around 722 B.C., Assyria is conquering everywhere. Everywhere they go, they take over. They have the mightiest army. And you're going to see this later on. It's going to come up. And we've talked about this before. But they were known for their cruelty. They would actually put fish hooks in the noses of the people they captured and tie the line through the hooks. And that's how they would lead them away. I mean, talk about atrocity, right? I mean, they were very wicked, cruel people, and they were conquering. And everywhere they went, they conquered. And now they're coming to Jerusalem, and they're, going, they're basically telling Jerusalem we're going to take them. Okay, So that's kind of where we are in our story today. We're going to go back just a little bit to give you a little bit more picture, but if you want to, turn your Bibles to one chapter back, uh, 2 Kings chapter 18. 
And I want you to see that the kind of person Hezekiah was. I think it's important. He was truly a king who followed the Lord. In Sunday school day, we're talking about trying to get the voice of the Lord and follow the Lord. Hezekiah was that type of king. Look at what the book of 2 Kings says about him, beginning in verse 5. This NIV right here. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord, and he did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses. Verse 7, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Hmm, that interesting term, isn't it? Got your attention, didn't it? <laughs> so even the things we're talking about even this month or these last couple months, we're talking about some of the same location. So again, Hezekiah is one of the good guys. He's one of the good kings. And what the scripture relates to us is that he obeyed the Lord. And he wasn't taught that. Can I give you a little bit of hope this morning? And we have a lot of young people that maybe haven't been taught the ways of the Lord, but does that mean that they can't still learn the ways of the Lord and do good things, right? So there is still great opportunity, even if we didn't get it from our parents. Hezekiah will hear the words of Moses and he will obey them. He keeps those commands. And here's the result of that. And because of his obedience, the Lord delivered success. Now hear me out this morning. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher, okay? So just because you obey the Lord doesn't mean you're not going to go to the hospital or that you're going to win the lottery or if you obey the Lord, you're going to have a nice house. We know that that's not how things work, right? But if you obey the Lord, will the Lord be with you wherever you go, wherever you go? And the Lord was with this king because he took the words of the Lord, he heard them, and he obeyed them. And I like the little phrase there, again, the NIV has that he rebelled <laughs> against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. That's a lot of pressure. And just to be clear, there will be a little bit of negotiations. There's going to be some things going on in the background uh, between all of these nations. But when everybody else around was saying, yeah, we'll do whatever the Assyrians want because we don't want to mess with them, Hezekiah was not submitting himself or his country to the king of Assyria. And you can imagine how that made the king feel, right? His name is Sennacherib and he will detest the Israelites. So let's look at the threat. Again, this is still in chapter 18, but look down at verse 32, the second part of verse 32, and I want you to see the threat from the uh, Assyrian commander, I mean, flowing from Sennacherib, but down to his commanders to the people of Israel. Verse 32, this commander speaking to people, let me say this real quick too, I need to let you know about this because there's so much scripture here. So, when the commanders came, they spoke Aramaic. And Aramaic was kind of like the common language across a lot of countries at the time. And a lot of people knew it, but not everybody knew it. The locals didn't know Aramaic. What did the locals around Jerusalem speak? Hebrew. They spoke Hebrew, right? Okay. So these um, commanders from Assyria come, and they actually have some probably slaves. And when they start to speak, they're speaking in what language? Do you know? They're speaking in Hebrew, which means all the locals can hear what they're saying. And some of the, the Israelite leadership will say, hey, would you mind not speaking in Hebrew? Because they can understand. Would you just speak in Aramaic so we can have a conversation? 
And the commander is like, no way. I am speaking in Hebrew because I want them to hear how weak the God of Israel is. Right? And so he begins his story. Look at verse 32. This commander says, do not listen to King Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says, the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Harmouth and Arpad? Where are the gods of Seraphim, Hena, and Iva? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord, or Jehovah if you would, deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply. Because the king, Hezekiah the king, had commanded, do not answer him. Then Eliakah, the son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, where they went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and they told them what the field commander had said. You getting the message? I don't think you are. You're not very scared. Right? So basically, Sennacherib sends a message through his commanders He says, Hezekiah, who are you to resist me? Who is your God to resist me? I've been through all Samaria. Did any of their gods, were any of the gods that I named here, were they able to withstand my might, my power? Can you see how Sennacherib has already set himself up above any of the other gods of the other countries? He's basically saying, I'm stronger than them all. No God has been able to protect his people against me and my army where are the gods now and so he's speaking in the presence of all the local people he's basically speaking we're coming for you next and there's no chance for you to resist us now how would you react to that you can pick your country i'll I'll pick china just for today but we could pick a lot of other choices what if uh jiping is that his name What if he sent his commanders here to Indianapolis and he came in and he said, uh, your military is nothing for our military. We're coming for you. Shortly we will destroy all your fortified areas. We'll destroy your naval bases. We'll destroy your airfields. And we're going to take you captive. How easy would it be to stay quiet? I'm from America, (laughs) right? I mean, doesn't that just dwell up in you? You're like... Let's go, right? I mean, that is the feeling, and that's the feeling of the people, and yet their response is what? They don't answer because they're trusting in the king and his trust in the Lord. That is huge. And yet, what is their response to the king? When we see them, how do they appear before the king? They've torn their clothes. That's a really strange thing when we think about it here, isn't it, right? Have you ever been so sad or so scared that you tore your clothes? We don't do that, do we, right? But yet that is the culturally, that is their way of expressing humility and seriousness and gravity of the situation. So they've torn their clothes, they come before Hezekiah, and they come with the message of Sennacherib through the Assyrian commander, and they are scared and afraid, and they're trying to seek what is best, what is right. Now get to chapter 19 with me in verse 1, and I want you to see the humility of the king. 2 Kings 19.1 When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth, and he went into the temple of the Lord. Skip down to verse 4. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. 
Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, look at verse 7. I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. Just so we're clear, right? Now, if, if, again, like the illustration I just gave you was China coming to here. But what had happened for Israel is China had basically already conquered Canada and Mexico and all the Northwest. All right? Assyria had already conquered all of the ten tribes. They had already taken out the people of Israel, cleared them out to other countries, and put new people in those places. And so the Assyrian army was all around Judah and pushing down to get ready to take over Jerusalem. And that's why the threat was so strong, why they were so scared. What does Hezekiah do? He tears his clothes, and then what does he do? He prays. You guys, I just can't tell you enough how important it is to pray. I got to call Doug Little this week. Doug Little is a worship leader for many years in our denomination. He was a pastor in Russellville, and I was asking him about a missionary opportunity, and he was really challenging my thinking a lot. He goes, Travis, you just, you got to pray. He just kept coming back to that. You got to pray. And he told me a story, a friend of mine, Tim Lewis and Jessica Lewis, they were out in Utah, and what Brother Doug did in his church, I thought was probably pretty cool. We may have to try it ourselves a little bit. They had missionary moments, and they would do it every week. But instead of like the preacher or a staff member, the one leading it, it was a different layperson in the congregation had to call each different missionary, and they would get a report just a few days before to see what was going on. So the layperson for that day ended up calling out to Tim and Jessica in Utah, who were just starting a church. And Tim and Jessica said, well, we think there's this family coming today, and we think they're really close to coming to know the Lord, and we want, we want to pray for them. So this guy that was on Doug's staff at the time at Russellville, he led and he led in the prayer, and he said it was really awesome because it wasn't just like one person leading prayer. It was like all of a sudden, all over the room, all these people started praying for this church out in Utah and for this couple specifically. And after they prayed, they did their mission moment went with the rest of their day. He said that night they were having Sunday night church. That night, the, the lay leader who had talked about the mission moment, he wasn't there present at the beginning. And all of a sudden, he starts coming in in the middle of the service, and he's just like smiling and waving his hand. <laughs> and Doug's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it's like, okay, hold on just a second. He's like, I think Mr. Ledbetter's got some good news for us. Uh, what, what are you going to tell us? And he comes up and he shares. He says, um, remember the people we prayed for this morning? They showed up in the church today, and they gave their hearts to Jesus. And Doug said the whole audience, was, it was almost like being at a sports event. He said they were high-fiving and clapping and shouting. And it was just this reminder that the power is in the Lord and not our own ability. And when we pray and when we seek him, he will move. Well, Hezekiah has that same desire. He's seeking the Lord. He prays and he seeks the Lord's face. And then Isaiah says to him, don't be afraid. Isaiah is the prophet of the day. He says, I've heard from the Lord. Don't be afraid. In verse 7, and again, hear this clearly because we're going to come back to this at the end. The Lord through Isaiah says, when the king hears a certain report, he's going to return to his own country. And there eventually, my words, not the Bible, will, he will be cut down with the sword. 
So let's look down at verse 14. Isaiah is going to have an exchange. He's sending this letter back to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah receives the letter from Isaiah. Look in verse 14. We'll see his prayer in more detail. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, and he read it, and then he went up to the temple of the Lord, and he spread it out. He spread out the letter before the Lord. Verse 15, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Give ear, Lord, hear, open your eyes. See, listen to the words of Sennacherib, has sent to ridicule the living God. Verse 17, it is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods in the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. But that verse is telling us, reminding us that God is a missionary God, and he always has been, right? Was it just so Assyria would know? Was it just so Israel know? No. Hezekiah prays, Lord, you do this so that the whole world will know that you are the only God, that you are God alone. Let me ask you this. Was Hezekiah praying for his own safety, for his own security? It may have been on his mind, but that's not his so what in this statement, is it, right? He's not saying, Lord, save me because I'm in a desperate situation. Lord, help me because I'm really hurting. Right here he's saying, Lord, do this for your name. And this is where I would challenge you this morning. You guys know the preacher. How do I end almost all my prayers? That his name would be hallowed and we'd be filled with great joy, right? And that is exactly what Hezekiah is praying here. God, you deliver us so that the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Again, we could go into, he lays out who God's characteristics are, that he is creator, that he is not wood and stone or, or hay or stubble, but that he is truly God. And he asks him to intervene. And so then we have this thing that we have to decide here today. Is the God of the Bible God alone? That's a question I can't answer for you. Right? Again, there were tons of nations around Israel around Jerusalem, who had other gods. And none of their gods held up because they were just idols carved and fashioned by hand. You guys know Paul and I, we've been to India, and we saw gods everywhere. We saw gods that were this big, and we saw gods that were taller than this ceiling. The monkey god that we saw looked like you were going to Six Flags. Seriously. And you know what people are doing? There was a temple there. There was a priest there. There were people offering food and flowers because they were worshiping an idol that was made out of wood and stone. And that's all it is. Hezekiah says, you're the one and true God, and that's the truth that we have to decide today. Is the God of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac, and is Jesus God, is he the one and only, the true God? Look down at verse 20. Let's see what the response is. God honors his servant and his name. Verse 20, then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. This is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. 
Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah loves that phrase. Verse 23. By your messengers you have ridiculed the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest parts, the finest of its forest. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard, the Lord says, long ago I ordained it. In days of old I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Verse 28, because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. Drop the mic. Right? Are you feeling it? Right? The king of Assyria, Sennacherib, was like, I've done everything. I've done it all. Everywhere I wanted to go, I took what I wanted. It was my pleasure. It was my power. And if I'm going to come to Israel, who is the God of Israel to do anything? And then the God of Israel replies to him through Isaiah. (laughs) It basically says, um, you won't do anything to my people this day. As a matter of fact, all the things that you have done, you've been doing, they were preordained by me to allow you to do them. It's very interesting that God can allow wicked men to do wicked things to actually carry out his justice and his purpose. That's the God that we serve. You couldn't do anything without me. It was said that Sennacherib, he would have so many soldiers, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of soldiers, that they said when they would cross a river, just by their feet, they would dry up the river because there were so many going through. And look how the Lord responds again to him, right? You think that you're going to do that? Guess what I'm going to do to you? Remember the hooks that you've been putting in people's noses? I'm going to put a hook and a bit in you, and you're going to be led away from my people. That sounds like a challenge, doesn't it, right? Who's going to win? Sound familiar? Kind of like Elijah on Mount Carmel just a few weeks ago, right? Again, God hears Hezekiah's prayer. Sennacherib has ridiculed the Lord Almighty, the Holy One of Israel. He took credit for things the Lord had ordained. And God has decided Sennacherib's time is done with his people. And he will show that king who is God. So look down at verse 29. A remnant will survive. Such an important theme through all the Old Testament. A remnant will will survive. Verse 29. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Verse 32. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. It's a little bit tricky here, but you got to pay close attention. God makes a promise to Hezekiah. Now, again, the armies are all surrounded. Again, just for back to my silly illustration, if China, let's say that they had control of the, the Northwest and all of Mexico and all of Canada, we would have problems doing commerce, wouldn't we, without their uh, allowing it to happen 
Well, because, again, Assyria power was dominating all around Israel, all around Jerusalem, I should say, they have not been able to really have commerce and really agriculture like they're used to because the Assyrians have been controlling all those things. And because an invading army has been a presence for years, they've had a difficult time. But what Isaiah says to Hezekiah is the first year, what's already there will be enough. God's going to make it enough. Then after that, what you use from the first year will provide for your second year. And on year number three, you're going to see that things are going to be back to normal if you're following me. And so that is the timeline that God has promised. The initial invasion may have been up to or over 200,000 soldiers. And you'll see that in just a minute. A very mighty and powerful, destructive uh, Assyrian army would try to come to conquer Jerusalem. But remember, God said, you're not even going to shoot an arrow at my city. How does that happen? Oh, the best part. Look down at verse 35. The Lord fights the battle. The Lord fights the battle. Verse 35, that night the angel of the Lord went out and he put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh, again, the capital of Assyria. He stayed there. And then verse 37, one day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sharezer killed them with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. Did Sennacherib ever shoot an arrow at Jerusalem? Come on. Is the Lord our God, a God of stone, a God of wood, a God of hay, a God of silver, a God of gold? No, he alone is God. And he demonstrated his power to his people, to the king of Assyria, and to all the earth. And that's just one of a hundred or a thousand stories, right? Okay. The Lord delivered. The angel of the Lord comes through, takes out 185,000 soldiers, and so Sennacherib retreats back to Nineveh. Now, between verse 36 and 37, there is a time span there of almost 20 years, but uh, Sennacherib will be cut down with a sword. And I want to take you back to verse 7. Again, just so you know that the word of the Lord is always true. Verse 7, again, the Lord said, Listen, when he, that being Sennacherib, hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. God said this is what it would be. And this, you guys, you can tell a false prophet because a false prophet is 50% right or 60% right or 30% right. A true prophet, how often are they right? 100%. Exactly what he said. He said, here's what's going to happen. He's going to hear the report. He's going to go back home. He'll be cut down with the sword. It took a little time, but it exactly happened. He heard the report. The angel of the Lord took out his army. He fled back home, and his own sons cut him down with the sword. Now, you're probably thinking, well, okay, so uh, this is a great story, Travis, but what in the world does it have us to do with me today, right? Here's some things I want you to think about. First thing this morning, God doesn't need us to defeat his detractors. You ever feel like you have to be the one? I felt that way, right? It just kind of cracks me up if you think about it. It's almost like there's this little bitty ant, and behind him is the elephant. God is the elephant. We're the ant. And this little bitty ant, we're like, 
My God is the biggest God. <laughs> I'm going to defend him. And this massive creature is just waiting to show his power. Hezekiah, he could have said, I got to figure this out on my own. He could have said, I got to make deals with the other kings from the other countries so I can prevent Assyria from coming in. He could have said, I've got to develop the army. I, but instead what he did was he got on his knees, he got before the Lord, he said, Lord, I can't do this. You need to defend your name. And the Lord did. Second thing, God honors his humble and his obedient servants, right? It wasn't his intellect like Solomon. It wasn't his uh, wealth. It wasn't his prestige. It wasn't any of those types of things that we always elevate people to. But God honored Hezekiah because he obeyed and he did what the Lord said and he was humble enough to seek the Lord when he needed help. How about you today? Are you that humble? How many of you, when you run into trouble, you're like, well, I got this. Right? That's usually what I tell myself. Okay, I try to talk to myself, build myself up. I can do this. I can overcome. I'm strong. I can, I can make it. And here's this reminder that Hezekiah, when he got the letter from Isaiah, I love this, he spread out the letter in the temple. And what did he do? He prayed over the letter. Okay, God, I hear this is the truth, but you've got to intervene. It's got to be you. It can't be me. The third thing this morning, and this is, don't, don't see this as trite. Please don't see it that way. God keeps his promises. What did verse 7 say? He'll hear a report. He'll return the way he came. He'll be cut down with a sword. What do the secular books say about Sennacherib? He never shot an arrow on Jerusalem. He went back to Assyria. He was cut down by the sword by his own sons. The word of the Lord is true, keeps his promises. Fourth thing, God is God alone. There is no other. He is the one who deserves our worship. He is the one who deserves our praise. And finally, the last thing I wanted to share with you this morning to think about as we dismiss this morning, it's how do you honor God? We've talked about it so many different ways, right? In Sunday school, it was the same thing. And Brother Paul's always encouraged us about the power of the word of God. You honor God by obeying what he asks of you to do. And that's a challenge to you today. Hezekiah heard the voice of the Lord and he obeyed. And because of that, if you read on a little bit, and I don't think we'll go there next week, I'm going to give you the rest of the story. <laughs> Hezekiah is actually going to find out that he has a really bad sickness. He's going to go to Isaiah and ask for, for help and for prayer. And God's going to heal Hezekiah and give him 15 more years of life. And you know what the demonstration of his power in that situation is? He's going to make the shadow of the sun go the opposite direction. That's, again, the power of the God Hezekiah serves because he would humble himself and obey the word of the Lord. I don't know what all your specific situation is today. I want to challenge you to honor the word of the Lord. And the way that we do that so clearly is we receive the gift of Jesus and we pursue to know Jesus and to obey Jesus and to find hope and joy and love in the Lord Jesus. Again, the Lord will fight the battle. Our job is to humble ourselves and see him and worship him as God alone. Let's stand.